Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of the Untethered Podcast. Today we have Mary Frances Gonzalez, who is a licensed speech-language pathologist and certified orofacial myologist. She is the founder and director of a pediatric private practice, Teach Speech LLC, in Loudoun County, Virginia. She empowers young children during the most critical years of development to combat late talking, speech, or language delays, and orofacial myofunctional disorders. She has completed in-depth training and mentorship with the Thumbsucking Clinic in Australia. This experience led her to open up her own thumbsucking clinic, the first of its kind in the United States, focusing solely on oral habit elimination in children. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. Well, thank you so much, Mary, for joining us today to talk about oral habits. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm really excited and honored to be here speaking with you about something that is very near and dear to me, oral habits. Yeah, so let's just start with the topic of oral habits. What, What are oral habits? So oral habits are habits that frequently children acquire that can either be temporarily or permanently harmful to the dental occlusion and the surrounding structure. But when these habits are negatively impacting the oral facial complex, another term we tend to use is called noxious habit. Okay, and so... What would be some examples of like oral habits or as you're calling them noxious habits? And sometimes I actually call them noxious oral habits. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like most of our field, there's multiple names for one thing. (laughs) Definitely. So, I mean, there are oral habits. There's nutritive and non-nutritive sucking, right? Nutritive is being when the infant sucks on the breast or the bottle to obviously get milk and nourishment. And then there's non-nutritive and those are the ones that we kind of see that are persist, can persist on, these oral habits. And these can include finger and thumb sucking, pacifier use, nail biting, tongue thrusting, mouth breathing, lip sucking or lip licking. And actually, and I didn't know much about this, but recently I've been hearing a lot about tongue sucking mm. and that being a habit. And so these are repetitive habits that if prolonged – they're starting to change, you know, our structures inside our mouth. Yeah. And that's interesting. You say that about the tongue sucking, because I think I've had only one client who was a tongue sucker and he was a teenager and he didn't, re- he didn't really seem to mind it. And I actually have family members that do it too, but we won't go there. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll leave them out of this. Yeah. And it, you know, yeah. So that was the first time I saw that. And I thought that was quite interesting too, because I always knew oral habits to be or noxious oral habits to be more of like the thumb sucking, extended time, mm-hmm. snail biting, so on and so forth. So yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up. Now let's talk about the concerns um, behind the oral habits and why we're concerned, you know, what the concern is in, and why we need to eliminate them. Definitely. Well, we first want to know, I mean, everybody needs to know this, that sucking is a normal, natural behavior that begins in infancy. Infancy. Babies use nutritive sucking for their milk. Um, 
And then they also use non-nutritive sucking, the finger, the thumb, or a pacifier to soothe, right? So Mm -hmm. it is definitely a developmental process, right? But as this infant begins to grow, um, they're sucking and putting items in their mouth is how they learn about the world around them, right? But as they're growing in four to six months, we start to see some of this non-nutritive sucking decrease, but it's getting, because it's getting replaced by chewing of foods, the jaw moving and chewing around. And, you, and even sometimes at that point, if a kid even needs more of that, they can chew appropriate oral chewing tubes, such as like the tri-chew or the chewy tube for those kids that really need that input a lot more than the average child. So, you know, kids have to go to this, through this process um, to help develop you know, the oral structures for feeding, chewing, and swallowing, right? Mm -hmm. But then about two years of age, we start to see this reduction in oral habits. And the fingers are out of the mouth. They're not using their thumb. They're finding other ways to soothe and calm themselves down, um, you know, as they mature not only mentally but also physically. And it's when we start to get concerned is as they approach, you know, about five years of age because at that time we know – that the adult, the first dentition is starting to come in. If these habits are to keep prolonging beyond that time, they can interfere with the growth and the development of the jaws, the palate. This can even lead to malclusions, um, and it always will encourage an incorrect swallow and even speech patterns. Mm-hmm. So some of those major um, things that can happen most common would be those malocclusions. We would see, especially with their thumb and finger and pacifier kids, is an open bite and a cross bite. And those are typically the most challenging orthodontic interventions. And I can tell you as a mother who had a child who had a pacifier, he had a wicked cross bite by the age of, before the age of two, because back when I was having children, they were telling us eliminate the pacifier by two, but now we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. And so it, you know, we see these things develop by allowing these prolonged habits to persist, we're going to create a disharmony in the structure and the functions. And that, you know, they're all interrelated. The tongue, the jaw, the lips, the palate, nasal breathing, it's all related. And so when you have things that are creating these maladaptive behaviors and patterns in our mouth, it's going to be a domino effect, right? Because here's the idea. Ultimately, we want harmony, our mouths work in harmony when the structures and functions work together fluidly. And that helps us grow our faces optimally. I love that. I love the word harmony and disharmony. I'm actually like sitting here writing it down <laughs> because I think that's such a nice way to explain it to parents as well. Because parents want to go, well, okay, they suck their thumb. What's the big deal? And I'm like, well, it's actually, you know, we can't make progress until we get that thumb out in some cases because. If there's just a big gaping hole at the front of the mouth, and I always say to parents, I'm like, well, the, the fact that, that hole is there makes it very easy for me to see what the tongue is doing. <laughs> I don't have to work very hard, and I know exactly what I want the tongue to do, and it's not that. However, you know, you know, we'll talk about this, I'm um, sure you'll touch on, you know, ages and things, but, you know, we want to get that thumb or pacifier out at a certain age because of these issues that you mentioned. Um, because you really can't correct, in my opinion, and in some cases it might be different, but in a lot of the cases I see, it's very hard to correct where the tongue is living in the mouth if you have something in the mouth holding the tongue down, be it a pacifier or a thumb. Um, so I love how you, like that, that word harmony and something being harmonious just sounds so 
beautiful to me. I don't know. There's something about that word. And I'm like, I think that'll really resonate with parents. So I, I'm, I'm like, I am using that one. Thank you. Um, but anywho, moving on. Um, so tradi- <laughs> Do you want to say something? Go ahead. <laughs> no, it is, it is a beautiful word. I would definitely like to hear more about harmony with my child. Right? Yeah. No harmony doubt. versus disharmony. Because I think we talk so much about function and dysfunction. And to me, that's sometimes, I mean, I, I think it's a word we need to use. But I think it's just so much more of a harsher sounding word than like harmony and disharmony. Like, you know, that everything works in harmony together versus like, you're not functioning. You're deviant. Right? Exactly. Especially for some families where I think they might typical. Yeah. yeah. I respond better to the word harmony. All right. So let's talk about also like traditionally what is used to eliminate oral habits. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's been a lot of development in this area. So previously, you know, we've kind of looked at um, different ways to eliminate these oral habits and we can kind of line them up as aversive, mechanical and behavioral, right? Aversive be something like the old school grandma that puts hot sauce Mm. or jalapeno pepper sauce or the nail polish, you know, that's kind of aversive. They want to put the finger or thumb inside their mouth or the pacifier, I guess. And it's aversive to the child. So the child doesn't want to put it in, you know, Mm. and granted, yes, these things can work for some kids. Definitely didn't work for my kid, but (laughs) they can work, you know, but it's an, it's an aversive thing. It's so the second thing that, a lot of the dentists and orthodontists, very traditional for them to use mechanical, okay? So that can be mechanical appliances. Mm-hmm. And as we know, as oral myofunctional therapists and speech pathologists, you know, our belief is that appliances should not be the first line of defense in eliminating oral habits because we know that they can create new atypical disharmonious patterns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And it also a lot of those appliances don't allow the tongue to get in the right rest position to get where it needs to be to help reduce some of that wanting to suck or to put something up there. Right. Yeah. So, and I totally understand there may be some cases that is that it might be necessary because a child is unable to go through the behavioral program or the positive reinforcement program. But definitely as an oral facialologist and a speech pathologist, I know that my, for me personally, it's not my first line of defense, mm-hmm. right? And so we're working with local orthodontists and dentists to share, you know, the, here are so many things that we can do that we can try before you put that on there, because that's going to give me another job, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'm glad that you're saying that because I know that when I've seen them, I've often had to tell families, you know, or beg families, please, please, please ask your orthodontist to take this out. And they're like, oh my gosh, we just spent all this money on this and you're telling me to take it out. And I'm like, look, it's not my place to say, yes, this is, this should be in or shouldn't be in really as far as an orthodontic standpoint goes. But as far as a habit standpoint goes, like absolutely, it's going to get in the way of us making progress and being able to eliminate that habit and work on getting that tongue up to the spot. Like you mentioned, it doesn't allow the tongue to rest in the right place. And so if the tongue isn't, if we can't train Mm -hmm. the tongue to go up there, they're not going to fulfill the need of why they may be doing the the oral habit in the first place. So anyways, I won't go to all of that. I'll I'll let you continue. So you were saying the third thing. right? Well, you know, also about that, I I think it's working with collaborating 
something with your local team, your local mm-hmm. team of professionals, even if it, if it isn't something explaining why we're going to need that thing out of there, why we're going to need that appliance, because it's going to hinder the ability of the child to move forward and create the correct pattern that we need. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of it. And I think, I think that collaborative approach is really, really important in, especially in this case, definitely. Absolutely. Um, the third type would be behavioral program. And that is basically what we do as oral, oral facial homologist is we kind of, we have a behavioral program. So it's a positive reinforcement program. Um, and as we know from research, these are the ones that work, <laughs> you know, but it's really important as I tell my families that are, you know, the mom really wants the child to quit, but the child doesn't want to quit yet. In order for a child to be successful in a positive behavior program, the child has to buy into it. You know, they have to be intrinsically motivated because we all know that bribery, trickery, reasoning, Mm -hmm. (laughs) they may work for a few seconds, but in the end, ultimately the child has to want to do it for themselves. Absolutely. So, and, and that's really, really important. And that begins with educating the child, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. a, a child below the age of five, very difficult for them to cognitively understand, you know, the why, what happens when we should do this kind of thing. Right. So, you know, I think in our program, at my practice, we do definitely have a behavior, um, behavior, positive reinforcement program with a little bit of science behind it. Mm-hmm. Because you know what I'm finding clinically is that some of these children that are demonstrating these oral habits, there's an underlying thing underneath. Sure, it might've started as a soother, helper, <laughs> calmer, and then it progressed further on. There's a reason that things progress on, and mm-hmm. I like to call it the disharmony. And so we look at that to see, is there an airway issue? How is the child sleeping? How are they breathing? You know, Mm -hmm. and I can tell you, I was a thumb sucker till 10. This is why I do what I do. I guess, you know, it was really my passion my whole life. I just didn't know it yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was born with these lovely large tonsils, chronic strep throat, strep throat carrier. Every year I was in the doctor's office. Me too. That's why we get along so well. (laughs) My mother's like, take those things out. I mean, they were, I'm looking at my infant records and it was like two plus plus and an infant, you know, he's like teeny tiny thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the doctor is very old school, you know, let's wait till they have X amount of strep throat this year. Mm -hmm. Even though he would tell my mother, I'm a strep throat carrier. That should have been a red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would never make that last one. So I ended up not having to get my tonsils out till my 30s. However, I still have mine. (laughs) I still have mine. And I was like violently ill every time I got strep throat. Um, It was like flu symptoms galore. And they still never wanted to take them out. And I had it. It was it probably was at least three times per season. I feel like way back when I had it and that turned into sinus infections as an adult. And that should have been a red flag right there. <laughs> right. Well, aren't you wearing the DNA appliance? I am. I am. <laughs> I'm now Fair in crossbite with like, way. you know, I have a crossbite, I have an open bite and I open bite is because of like the orthodontia work I'm doing right now. I didn't have right. one before it, but we'll fix all that. Um, yes, I am in a DNA and things, I have to tell you, things are changing and it's amazing. (laughs) That's terrific. So I I believe looking back in hindsight with the knowledge I know now is that I thumb sucked to open up my airway. 
And I couldn't take away that thumb, right? Because when you thumb suck, what happens? You open up your jaw and it goes forward. It Mm -hmm. gives you more air in that oral cavity. And when I had those tonsils, and I mean, and when I was sick, they were literally kissing tonsils. I I don't even know how I ate sometimes. Like, Mm -hmm. it's probably why I'm 4'11". But, you know, that thumb was probably the reason why I was able to even breathe as a child. And I also had a lovey, of course. That was another another part that we're going to talk about in a few minutes. And so I persisted on as a thumb sucker. Um, and then in first grade, uh, second grade, I was hit by a baseball bat and softball and I had a deviated septum. So boom, number two problem, airway issue. Nice. So, you know, I persisted till I was about 10, you know, in secret, of course. So in addition to, you know, an oral habit along, you know, these other there's a psychological, physiological, and then there's also emotional component. You know, I, I didn't let anybody know that I sucked my thumb when I went to school. <laughs> like, of course nobody not. knew. I only did it at night. So, you know, there's a lot of, there can be a lot of shame there. The self-esteem can take a hit when kids are little. So it's also another factor, physiological, psychological, and emotional, right? So I, I think that we really have to take a look at some of these kids that are, are prolonged that, hey, is there something else going on inside there? Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think you make some very, very good points there. So then on that front, how do you decrease or eliminate some of these oral habits, you know, especially knowing that some other things may be going on, keeping that, you know, in mind? Okay, well, I'm going to talk specifically about pacifiers and thumb sucking because um, nail biting and uh, lip sucking, tongue, well, tongue thrust is a result of all of these things. So, and mouth breathing there, that a little bit more falls under myofunctional therapy, but I can give some suggestions for parents to help for children under the age of five for pacifier and thumb sucking. So the first point I'd like to make with pacifiers, it's super simple. Parents are in control, right? I am all for pacifiers for infants. I believe that it does help with SIDS. I did extensive research when I had my own babies like every other speech pathologist probably in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they are needed and they are helpful. However, at six months, you can start to decrease the use and the dependency on that. You know, use it at naps, use it only when they need to console, don't have it in the mouth all the time because we know having a pacifier in that mouth all the time is a plug. Mm-hmm. So not only does it hinder maybe some mouth development, but definitely can hinder some speech development. And, you know, there's research that tells us extended pacifier use for the age of one year increases, it, it can increase otitis media. Yep. So chronic which, ear infections, which in turn can inhibit production, learning speech sound yeah. production Absolutely. and language. So for pacifiers, it's real simple. Parents need to be in control and be knowledgeable. No, it's six months, start weaning it down. And by a year, it needs to go. Yeah. And I want to jump in there real quick because with my first daughter, she stopped using it around four months. And I think that some parents don't, they're not always cued into this. They kind of just hand the passy and go on their way, not realizing that sometimes your child doesn't need it any longer. And so like really paying attention to their cues and seeing like, do they fall asleep now without it? And do they, you know, or as soon as they fall asleep, do they pop it out of their mouth or do, you know, like 
what, you know, or one, I also like to say they're obviously not walking around at six months, but they're crawling. And those pacifiers that have like the weapon knobs hanging off of them, you know, I'm like, as soon as your child is mobile, if they still have a pacifier, you need to cut that animal off. They can, you know, I always say you can still use it for the time being the animal, but it needs to be separated from the pacifier. <laughs> we don't need any added weight to the pacifier, like weight bearing, you know, keeping, making them have to like hold it in their mouth even harder. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's just my, little, on those my little PSA teeth. on that one. <laughs> As they're face down and the gravity is pulling that heavy thing, uh -huh. making like, their, that's not good for neck creating a new yeah. overjet. Absolutely. Yeah. But Lily, and same thing with Mia. I gave Mia a pacifier. She barely used it a couple months in. She really seemed to lose interest in it. And I think some parents push it almost feeling like it's a rite of passage or it's part of development. And we need to have that passy for them to sleep. Or I think this is so like burnt into so many people's brains, but that's not true. Um, so I want to put that out there because, you know, I was really just in tune with what they were doing. And when, as soon as I saw that, I felt like they didn't need it anymore. Guess yeah. what? They disappeared and it was not a thing. Absolutely. And also the middle of the night thing. Yeah. So with my first child, you know, I, before I knew what I knew now, um, you know, we had a couple past bars throughout the crib so that he would go and find it when he was sleeping and put it back in. He's also mm -hmm. a crossbite kid. <laughs> My second one, you live and learn, and I only gave him the pacifier as needed. There was no putting it back in. <laughs> there was no extra pacifier. The minute he lost it, it was done. And let me tell you how much easier it was to just take that away when we wanted to, and he was done with it. No issues. Mm. No persistent oral habit nail-biting type issues. Yeah. Amazing. So, I mean, we are in control, and a lot of it is educating the pediatricians to start telling the parents about this. Yeah. You know, we don't see the kids till they're past the pacifier stage, or at least in my practice, because I don't see a lot of infants and babies, right? Mm -hmm. I see them as toddlers walking in with the pacifier. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do see a lot of infants and the parents, you often will tell me, oh, because I get a lot of babies who are tongue tied. They'll say, well, well, they can't hold a pacifier. And I'm like, okay, well, that's a red flag for the tongue tie. We'll look at the whole profile and eval here. I'm like, but let's not push the pacifier right now. That's okay. Like, you know, I'm like, hey, pacifier is not a rite of passage. We, you know, have other goals to work on. And if we never get the passy going, no big deal, guys, because we want that out by six months. So absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Really a six really months good. start up to 12 months. Yep. And definitely out. Awesome. You know, and then there's things you can do if you have have one of those children that really seek a lot of that mouth mouth clay you know we have tools for that we have professional tools for that mm -hmm. and I think you had mentioned when we spoke earlier you know the tri-chew Beckman's yeah. tri-chew the chewy tubes you know the art grabbers and we can have all links on this at the end of our yeah. talk here but all of those are great oral developmental tools Another thing we can do, so to reduce finger and thumb sucking before the age of five is, is tricky. It is challenging, it is tricky, and it can be frustrating for parents and the child. Um, most of it is because, you know, at three and four, the explanation of the why, what, and how is really not really easy to explain and for them to cognitively get. That's why we don't go to, we don't go to kindergarten until we're five years old, right? So what you can do before the age of five, like three and four, um, what you can start doing is, is working on reducing the frequency, the tens intensity, and the duration. So frequency, intensity, and duration are the three factors that go into determining if there's going to be permanent damage to the oral structures through the use of the oral, the oral habit. Frequency means how often and where. So you're going to observe where, where is my child doing this habit? 
Uh, is it in the car? Is it in front of the TV? Is it when they're just laying on the ground? Are they walking, you know, at the dinner table? So you're going to figure out when. I find a lot of my thumb suckers in my clinic, they tend to suck their thumb when they're bored. Mm-hmm. Or tired. I get a lot of that. Tired. Obviously tired. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, because it's soothing, right? Yeah. yeah it's like a it pastime just, activity. <laughs> right. It's soothing. So then we want to observe where that's happening and when they're there in the car in front of the TV. You know, we have those cool fidget toys. There's silly putty. There's little puzzles. You know, there's um, stickers that they can be do during these times. Or maybe you just eliminate the TV time if that's the only issue. Go outside and play. Because if they're not bored they're not going to be wanting to do that habit, right? right. So and if their hands of, are busy, right? If their hands are busy doing something else, then it's not going to be in the mouth. Their hands are busy, busy their mouth is closed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Duration is how long a child will be doing the habit. You know, there's a big difference of a child that's sucking all night long on that pacifier or that thumb versus a child that sucks for five minutes before they go to sleep, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's not too much you can do if they're falling, if they have a thumb and they put it in their mouth all night night long, but in terms of the pacifier, right, you can remove that pacifier from the crib. So you just want to watch, are, you, are, you, are they doing it for a long period of time? How frequent and how long are they doing it throughout the day and kind of see where you can decrease it from there. And then the last thing that determines is intensity. How hard? If you can hear your child sucking from across the room on that <laughs> pacifier, on the finger, you better start saving for some orthodontics. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. But you know, it's really, really hard. You better start saving for some myofunctional therapy and habit elimination. <laughs> yeah. True. First step. Then orthodontics. Hopefully you won't have to go there, but you know. And I can say that again from experience with my first child. I, I mm-hmm. guess I learned a lot with my first child, but you know, he, he, was, he was blessed with my large tonsils. And mm-hmm. so I can see why he he sucked so hard on that pacifier to get that crossbite before the age of two. <laughs> and I remember trying to pull it out of his mouth and I couldn't, it was that hard. So, so um, yeah, well, thank God, you know, we figured it all out, eliminated mm-hmm. those tonsils. So he no longer has airway issues, but yes, we did have orthodontist. We did have orthodontic intervention and that's okay. Now with my myo eyes, I can see that where I would have went. Right, right. When we know, like you said, when we know better, we do better. And I think that for both of us, our our first children taught us a lot. (laughs) A lot about ourselves, a lot about them, kind of piecing it all together. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I think parenting makes you learn everything about everything in life. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They're our greatest teachers. Mm -hmm. Another thing you want to think about too is usually um, thumb sucking, especially thumb suckers, finger suckers, they have a trigger. For example, I had a blanket. And the minute my blanket was magically disappeared, I eliminated my thumb sucking habit. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. I, when I say magically disappeared, I mean stolen. But <laughs> You're like, my God. mother stole it from me. No, actually, I think it was my grandmother. But oh, yes. So. But still, somebody in the family took it away. <laughs> somebody did. But, you know, God bless them because I stopped thumb sucking. Um, so sometimes when you have a trigger – uh, if you take that away or, you know, have that trigger, their stuff, their lovey, their stuffed animal, maybe that, that little stuffed animal needs to take a vacation or be in a bo- put in a box for a little bit, you know, to talk to them about that and get it out of the way. Because that trigger, when you take it away, sometimes it reduces or eliminates that habit. Like in, in my case, it, it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes just removing that trigger from the child that uses it with their oral habit may help. 
Um, another thing I like to use, and it, it's reminders. So instead of punishments, I call them reminders. Cute little band-aids. Um, they make these really adorable thumb-sucking gloves that I use in my practice. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, that would fall under, I wouldn't say aversive because band-aids and, th- and gloves are nothing really aversive. But for the child, we help explain, like, these are just reminders. Like, I know you really want to reduce that. You want to try not doing it anymore. So let's just have these little reminders. So when it touches your lips, you know that you're just reminded that you're really trying to give it up. Interesting. And you have to have them, you know, go with you and find, you know, they have adorable band-aids these days. And I think that kids really enjoy that. Um, And I know that they make some of them like specifically or tape specifically for the thumb that's supposed to be like, I don't remember what they're called or whatever. But anyways, do you feel like something like that is more beneficial or you feel like you see the band-aids work just as well? Like a parent can go to CVS or Target and get some fun little band-aids. I think band-aids, they've been successful in my practice. Good. Um, I love I try, it. Try to get the ones that don't fall off. I'm sure there's band-aids. There's always something really cool. Well, people are like use. always creating new things. And I just, I want people to know that like, while those can be good and great and it's awesome if you use them. I also feel like simple is better sometimes. And I think our parents spend so much money on things that it's like one more thing to buy. Um, so I love that. Like just, you know, run of the mill band-aids with some characters on it that the child gets to pick out from Target or CVS or the grocery store is successful for like, mm-hmm. Definitely. I, I find them successful. I don't think you have to go and buy There's specific stuff for that. I've seen it too, but band-aids work just fine in my practice. And those little gloves are very cute. You can even make your own glove or even use little white gloves. I have these cool little white gloves that I use for boys that don't like my other gloves. <laughs> um, but it's important for the child to know that this is a reminder. This is not like a punishment. You're not doing anything wrong. Um, this is just to help you and because your brain's going to automatically think it's time to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's bringing awareness, right? Mindfulness of it. Another thing, especially for our little, little ones, because obviously, you know, they're not really understanding the whole cognitive part, but using those, the chewy tubes and the tri tubes, you know, keeping up. Like for my really little ones, I have a tiny jaw program where they do some chewing, chewing skills couple times a day to kind of help eliminate that need and that desire uh, Mm -hmm. to chew. So oral tools that were created specifically for this until they can learn to self-soothe. But when looking at all the ways to encourage and eliminate oral habits, we also want to look at our three, four, and five-year-olds for any other underlying reason. reason. Is your child a mouth breather? Do they have large tonsils and adenoids? Mm-hmm. How are their allergies? How's their gut health? Do we have any, we have a lot of food intolerances these days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of kids may have, you know, acid reflux and sometimes sucking the thumb helps that child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With all the swallowing and the saliva, pushing all that acid down. So we have to mm-hmm. look at the big picture. We really have to take any kind of oral habit and look at the big picture, the overall health of the child. Yeah. And one thing I learned too was that the tongue resting up in the palate, if you have a correct oral rest posture, basically creates endorphins and endorphins feel good. And so when the tongue is resting down in the mouth the, and the thumb goes in to fill that void, it basically pushes up into the palate and fulfills the need of the tongue not being up there. So, you know, you know, I know that I'm sure that you see this as well. And I think we've talked about it amongst ourselves, not, not you know, on this podcast today, but 
you know, a lot of our kiddos who come for habit elimination also need myofunctional therapy because like you said, there's a reason that they're doing this. It's not just to piss off mom and dad. Right. It's not if it's prolonged. Correct. If it's prolonged. Thank you. Um, yeah. And so I think that's also just really important for people to realize that, you know, prolonged habits generally are tied to something else going on. And we need to kind of look at it holistically and get to the bottom of why this is going on. Um, but I love, you know, I love all the information you shared with us here today, because I think that this is going to be so helpful um, for, you know, both for parents and for like myofunctional therapists, as well as other providers to understand what we're looking at, what goes into it, why something, some of these things might be happening and how we can, you know, begin to try eliminating some of these habits on our own before, you know, we seek out the professional help for it. But I think, you know, it is important also to mention to parents kind of like you said, if these habits are not going away and you've tried a number of these things and other things on the market, you know, seek professional help because you're not in this alone and it's really hard to break these habits um, if there's an underlying reason as to why they're going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's even new research that talks about recently the Ferrante study that is basically, they're try- we're trying to figure out, you know, past research has told us that, you know, sucking is a behavior that's related to psychological stress or emotional problems. But his most recent study, which is really interesting, and I'm kind of wondering where this is going to go in the future, is that he's saying the stimulation of the palate receptors achieved through finger or thumb sucking leads the child with reduced tongue mobility to receive the same neurological benefits that the child with correct tongue action, tongue on the spot, is able to achieve by simply constantly raising the tongue to the palate spot. Mm-hmm. So what, what it's kind of telling us is that a child who can't reach that tongue to the spot mm-hmm. is using that tongue to do it. Yeah. So the, the thumb or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it could be a neurological oh, so or neuromuscular term. I love that there's research to back the thing that I just said like three or a few minutes ago. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> I didn't realize. Yeah. And I think but it's, it's really amazing because we don't, you know, and there's no like exact reason why people do everything. It's a multifactorial thing. And, you know, you have to, as a professional, we have to look at all of the areas because oral health, dental health, and overall general health, general health and well-being, it's all connected. It really is. Finding more and more these days, I've spoken with some colleagues that a lot of your overall health, like full body health is highly tied to your dentition and your tongue and what's going on in your mouth. And when I heard that, I was like, holy cow, the dentists are about to get really busy. (laughs) So, you know, I I think that's pretty cool just that they're finding these things, but I think it just is so telling as to what we see in our everyday practice and why it can one, like we said, be really hard to eliminate some of these oral habits and two, why it's so important to look at them as part of a holistic assessment. But also, like you said, look at all of the pieces and, you know, the body as a whole and how everything's functioning together, because that's going to give us, you know, we have to kind of figure out where to start and what best to start with. And, you know, what every child is different. Every adult is different that we see. There is no cookbook recipe to any of this. So it's really, you know, and I want people to realize that it's so individualized that you need to know your basics and your basis for what you're doing, but you then have to apply it to your each individual case to figure out the best strategy or, you know, course of action for that particular um, client or patient. 
So thank you. This has been amazing. Right. I'm going to link that, um, the Fronte study so that people can access that. Um, mm -hmm. Now tell us where people can find you online. Um, you know, if they're looking into services and, or just, you know, want to check you out because you're super helpful with all this habit elimination information. Okay, well, thank you. So I have a website, um, teachspeechtherapy.com or an easy one is myomary.com. And at my website, I have information about, um, our thumb sucking clinic, speech and language, oral myofunctional therapy. Um, we're going to be releasing a quarterly newsletter. So that is on there. If people would like to sign up for, for that, I promise not to spam you. It, you'll be lucky if we get a quarterly newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> I, in my brain, I really want to do that. It's just it's like in my a little spare busy. time. <laughs> yeah. But a big thing that I really want parents, if they're listening, to know is that there is help. It can be very emotional for the family to have these habits, especially the prolonged habits, and they see what's happening to the mouth of the dentition of the health of this child. There is help. Don't give up hope. There's total help. And we have to find, you have to find the right professional or myofunctional therapist, dentist, orthodontist that are all aware of the big picture of airway, mouth, and, you know, dental health. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there's lots of help. And we know that the children that can't release these habits independ independently, that we know clinically now that each program has to be individualized. Yeah to treat that individual. Yes. Yep. So that's what works best and that's how we can best help. And that's why we all do what we do because we Absolutely. love to help. Yep. So. Helping profession. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mary. <laughs> thank you so, so much. This has been so informative and I know that this is going to be so well received because it's definitely, I feel like it's one of those topics where it's hard to find information on how to go about this and, learn how to go about, you know, like the oral habit elimination when it's become an issue, a prolonged issue. So thank you. I think this will be really wonderful um, for everybody to hear. Well, thank you for having me. Anytime. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can also also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire, for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.